Okay, I forgot to start the recording, so just look up Rachel Held Evans's blog. Okay, bye bye. All right, now <laughs> that way Evelyn will know what to look at earlier later on when she's listening to this. All right, so now open up your hymnals to hymn number four hundred and ninety. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing in prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. Oh, to be like thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and brave, meekly enduring cruel approaches, willing to suffer others to save. Oh, to be like thee, Lord, I am coming, now to receive the anointing divine. All that I am and have, I am bringing, Lord, from this moment, all shall be thine. Oh, to be like thee, while I am pleading, pour out thy spirit, filled with thy love. Make me a temple meet for thy dwelling, fit me for life and heaven above. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. Pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. I will ask now again if this statement, stamp thine own image deep on my heart, resonates with you, would you please raise your hand? Okay. There is a concept, a theological statement, a, a part of doctrine called the Imago Dei. I-M-A-G-O, capital D-E-I. Imago Dei. Okay? That it's, it means in Latin, God's image. Okay? Imago Dei, God's image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, talking about this idea of in God's image, says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, Male and female, he created them. These two verses have caused significant trouble for theologians for thousands, not just 2,000 years, but for thousands of years. Because there is no, uh, there is no empirical evidence that I can point to that says that is the image of God. And so because the Bible doesn't specifically say that is the image of God, then we are left to discern through our, what one scholar that I read said, our sanctified reasonings. Okay? In other words, trying to listen to the voice of God, trying to think in a Christ-like and God-honoring manner, what could this possibly be? Well, greater minds than ours have discussed this for thousands of years. We are not going to resolve it today. 
So for those of you whose personality type is that you want, what is the question, here's the answer, you might want to leave now because you will be frustrated by the end of this sermon. Okay? I'm not going to give you a definitive answer. I'm going to give you the information out there so that you can chew on it for a number of weeks. Yes, ma'am. Okay, that is one of the thoughts that has been presented by theologians, that this, these two verses, because the term Elohim, God, in that section of scripture, is a plural verb, a plural noun, that they say that this is a foreshadowing, or even some say it is a scriptural evidence of the, the doctrine of the Trinity, the God, Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, making man in our own image, making, or, and this, I chose this one specifically because it's human beings, okay? Because it's not making males, it is making all of humanity in the image of God. And verse 27 says, some of them were male, some of them were female, but all were made in the image of God. Okay? And we'll get to the idea of patriarchal stuff in a few minutes. There's a number of things that we could unpack in there, but I have to move on because there's a lot to talk about. And we'll get back to some of this. Okay? Number two, Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. When Adam, the first human, was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him in his very image. Now, I don't want to get in, I don't have time to get into some of this stuff, but one of the things that scholars pointed out was that the way this was phrased was exactly the same phrasing, the same exact sentence structure as 126 and 127, giving a clue that the exact same thing is being said. God created humanity in his own image to be like him. Adam fathered a child who was just like him in his very image. Okay? So what they're saying was, Adam, created by God to have the stamp of the image of God on him, and Eve, the first woman created by God, to have the image of God stamped on her, procreated and had children who had the image of God stamped on them. Okay? Next we see Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. If, no, Seth was the third son. This particular verse is, was written about Seth. Yeah, it was after the, after the murder, um, and then Seth was born, and that's what this was talking about. Um, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6 says, If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands, for God made human beings in his own image. This was instruction God was giving to Noah after the fall. Okay? Not after the fall, after the flood. So, we have three evidences from the scripture after, I mean, in the book of Genesis... So it says, initially, humanity had the image of God on them. The, the original parents 
pass that same image through their procreative act to their children. So all of humanity had, even after the fall, had the stamped image of God on them. Because Seth was born after they were kicked out. Okay? Well, all of the kids were born after they were kicked out. But anyway, um, Genesis 9 was Noah. So after the flood, after all the depravity is wiped out, and now Noah and his family are restarting the human race, the image of God is still in the mind of God, in the the voice of God speaking to Noah, I will demand blood for blood because my image is on this part of my creation. Okay? So, in the beginning, immediately after the fall, even at the restart of all of the human race, the image of God, biblically, is shown to be on all of humanity. Okay? Now, New Testament. There's a number of them, but specifically I wanted to just highlight two. James chapter 3, verse 9. The, the instruction is, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, with it we curse human beings who have been made in, the God, in, in, in God's likeness. And it then goes on to say, this we should not do. Okay? But the idea is, still in the New Testament era, the mindset is, humanity has the image of God stamped on it. Last one we're going to look at out of the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all who have us, all of us humans, who have had that veil removed, talking about the veil that you couldn't see clearly God because... You know, like Moses had, anyway, the glory of God. All of us who had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So this is saying, Christians who have interacted with God and have received the Holy Spirit are now becoming more and more like God and are being changed, a passive thing, the Holy Spirit is doing it, into God's glorious image. Okay? And again, it's the same thing of likeness and image. Likeness and image. Likeness and image. Old Testament, New Testament. Before the fall, after the fall, even after the restart of the human race, it is still a theological thought, a doctrine, that the image of God is stamped on all of humanity. Got it? Alright, that's the best I'm going to give you as far as a definitive statement. Now we get into all the sanctified reasonings. Okay, the stuff that you get to chew on for a while. What is God's image? When I initially read Rachel Evans' blog and I began thinking about this this week, that was the question. Okay, so what is the image of God? Come on, really easy. Go ahead. Wouldn't it be whatever you choose to Wouldn't it be what? Mm, too easy, sorry. Let's move on. <laughs> God's image, first of all, there are, through the thousands of years of thought, there have come out two primary theories. One is called substance theory. One is called relational theory. Substance theory, for lack of a better way of saying it, is God takes a God pill and puts it in your mouth, and you swallow it, and it becomes part of you. Okay? There's a, an essence of God that he implants in the human, and you can always point to that and say, there's God. 
That's God. Relational theory is God created us with a desire. You've heard of the God-shaped vacuum, the God-shaped hole. God created us with a deep desire to have intimate fellowship with God. And when the fall happened, that was trashed. And we have this desperate longing for God. So this stamping of God's image on us is, it only happens. We only become more and more Christ-like or God-like when we are in right relationship with him. Okay? So there's the imparting of God to us, or there is being in right relationship with God, therefore you become, you know, you, you hang out with the right crowd kind of thing, you become like the people you hang out with. So that's the two major theories. Okay? Now, image versus likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. These two Hebrew words are distinct, two different words, and there are some who have said they're just saying the same thing. And there are some who have said, oh, no, 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 they're two distinct differences, okay? Um, I'm not going to even get into all the stuff I read, because psh, we could be here for hours. Male versus female, Genesis 1.26. There are as, as Carolyn pointed out, there are many who will say that the Bible was written by patri patriarchal people, minded people, and it is a patriarchal book. I read an author who said, bunk, that's wrong. Because if that was the case, Eve wouldn't have gotten the image of God. This was a result of the fall that patriarchal mindset or matriarchal mindset happened. Because the relationship between God and humans was broken, and as a result their thought process got broken, and as a result they started to think better of themselves than they ought, and they started to lord it over one another, and it became a who's stronger, who's more powerful thing, and guess what? The guys were physically more powerful and more strong, and so they rose up in certain cultures. You can look at other cultures of the world where the women have risen up and become the leaders. I can tell you, if you go into Asia, the women run that household. I've, I've been there, seen it, and so it's just a cultural thing. But in the biblical culture, it was a patriarchal mindset. The people who wrote, recorded the words of, of God came from a patriarchal mindset. It was, their, it was their thought processes. It was their culture. So now this question then comes up. So if indeed God imparted his spirit to both men and women, then is indeed God both male and female? No. Go ahead. He's neither. Thank you. He's a spirit. Male and female has to do with physical properties. Okay? If I have two Y, I mean two X chromosomes then I would be a female. If I had an X and a Y, I'm a male. And as a result of the chromosomes, then my body develops differently. It has nothing to do with my spirit. But then you get into the, the whole of psychology where you're talking about, well, this is more of a female trait, this is a more of a male trait. But there's nothing male or female about the spirit. If you look in the, old, in the New Testament, what did Paul say? There is neither slave nor free. There is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither male nor female. All are one in Christ. 
See, when you get back to being in right relationship with God, there is no longer one being better than the other, stronger than the other, more, more able to take over than the other. It's a symbiotic, everyone's together, everyone works together. And that's the way it should have been from the very beginning. Because was it, what did it say in the Garden of Eden that, Abraham, that Adam did not find any helper suitable in all of creation, so God put him to sleep and created Eve to be the appropriate helpmate. And you've heard the old adage, she wasn't taken from his head so that she'd be lording it over him. She wasn't taken from his feet so that he could stand on top of her. She was taken from his side so that they could be partners. Really and truly, that's the intent. That's what God intended from the very beginning. So this idea of God's image being male or female, I disagree with. But as I said, there are those, Rachel Held being one of them, right? Rachel Evans being one of them, that would say this Genesis 1.26 is my justification from Scripture that God's image is stamped on each one of us and part of God is being female because he made some of us female. And I can't argue it. I can say my opinion. But I can't say you're wrong because the Bible does not specifically tell us that's the spirit, the image of God. Okay? I'll tell you my opinion. And my opinion is she's wrong. My opinion is there is no maleness to God. There is no femaleness to God. It's our issue of how we relate because of our bent, broken thought process as a result of the fall. Okay? Catholic? Yes, ma'am. I'm not saying that I disagree with it, but who was he talking to? He was talking to the Father. No, but he was talking to disciples who came from a patriarchal mindset who would not have been able to receive, pray to God, your mother. Wait a minute. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. God, the, the image that we've gotten from, from the time of Christ is that there's a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit. And I, I, there's... I can't answer the question. I can tell you that if you look in the Psalms, God is personified as a mother hen. Yes. Well, it's relational. Okay. It's like all the names of God are relational. Right. So it's our, it's, it's an aspect of Him, like you said, with reflection that is, that is our, in our little window of the little, one little facet that we, that, that we may see in Him that way. So I would think there would be Although this isn't scripture, if you were to look at the book The Shack, okay, the father is presented as a female until one point in the story. And Mac, the character, the, the lead character in the book says, why are you a man today? And he said, because today you need a father. Hmm. Whatever we need him to be at a point. And that's why I don't have trouble with her statement. 
Catholic versus Protestant. What the, the significant difference here is the Catholics very distinctly dis- dis- divide in Genesis chapter 126 between the idea of likeness and image. Martin Luther, who was a Catholic monk but became the leader of the Lutheran Church, who was now the, the father of all of Protestantism, he did not agree with the idea that the Catholic Church held on to of this idea of substance. And let me explain what he meant by that. Okay? I, I, I'm hoping I don't get too far into this because it could get really, really tenuous. Okay, we're created perfectly. When, we were, when, when humanity was first created in the garden, perfectly, exactly as God wanted it. Okay? Then as a result of the fall, something went askew. There are those who say that the image of God was marred. There are those who say the image of God was destroyed. There are those, or twi- or I should say twisted. There are those who say the image of God was lost. Okay? And I'm sure there's lots of other thoughts. The Catholic thought process, and this goes back to Aquinas and, and, um, and Augustine and all the way back. This, the Catholic thought is that the, the, the um, and I may have this backwards, the likeness of God I think it's the I think it's the image of God is um, our reasoning, our relationability, our, our our ideas of justice, our ideas of morality. All of those things are who we are, and and it is being like God. Um, so it is it, it is the image of God, but that likeness has to do with righteousness. So when we broke in the fall. We lost our righteousness. It was removed from us. So God then in our salvific relationship with him, where he brings righteousness back to us, by imparting to us, taking that substance and putting it back into us, the righteousness into us. So that that way they can say, they can understand that after the fall, it was still possible to have the image of God on you, but not the likeness of God. Okay, until God Himself put it back in there, the substance. Okay, the life. So, the Protestant idea is not this imparting of a substance called righteousness. They believe the Protestants say it all is the same. They think something got broken had to be fixed, or something got removed and had to be replaced, or something got. Okay, Catholics say. Always present, and this had to be added, the substance, the, in the righteousness. Protestants say it's all there but broken, or it was removed and has to be replaced. But it's not two different things, okay? Righteousness, thought process, relationship ability, all of that, hope, morality, it's all part of what it means to be like God. Okay? I said we could go on for days. Okay, now we get into within the, within the Protestant world, we have two major divisions. And there's actually more, but but two major divisions. Calvinism, Wesleyan. Okay? Calvin taught substance. Wesley taught relationship. Calvin said, you were 
damaged, destroyed. The image of God was smattered. It did, I mean, just, just to smithereens. <clears throat> and it has to be replaced. Wesley said, because you broke relationship, and I think I've got the quote here. John Wesley regarded sin as a disease to be healed in contrast to the more orthodox Protestant view in which original sin is understood to have destroyed any trace of the image of God. Okay? The more orthodox, the Calvinistic mindset. You know, the greatest preponderance of Protestants that you talk with, they'll be talking about the, the sin nature being there and you, 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 you're, the part of you that was part of God was lost because of, of, of a, the, the fall and the original sin. And so it has to be fixed. It has to be replaced. Has, God has to remove the carnal nature, has to replace it with his, his personal nature. There has to be that God pill put in. Wesley was not, and Wesley didn't teach the, the, the ontology of God, the, the of people. He, he didn't talk about how we were created. He focused on sin and the relationship between God and man. And what he said was, he believed it was more an issue of broken relationship and disease that needed to be healed. Not that it was missing, damaged, or broken. Needing to be replaced. Okay? Now, this is a quote that I came across out of a blog that I was reading the other day. Six things pastors are tired of hearing. And this guy wrote, I'm only human. Okay, fine. Excellent. Now you can sin all you want. No, the fact that you are only human, if you know Christ and desire to grow in him, within you dwells a divine substance. The Christian life takes work and thank God for the grace of of correction. That's a Nazarene pastor. He's a Wesleyan, for heaven's sakes. And he says there's a divine substance in you that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I wanted to call the man and say, what's the problem? You Calvinist in Wesleyan clothing. <laughs> now, the reality is, it's all mishmash in our minds. Why? Because you listen to Moody Bible Radio with their Calvinistic teaching. Because you listen to K-Love with some of their mixture of teaching. Because you have this culture right here. We are a mishmash of total different Christian backgrounds. And we all come together and say, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? Well, it depends on what you mean by the word love. You know, and... The reality is, is that we, none of us, not even me, are theologians. Meaning, we, none of us have taken years of study and practice to understand the nuances of Christianity. But the little bit that we've done, and the Bible studies that we've done, and we've interacted with people at Friends Church for their Bible church, Bible studies, and we've gone over to Door of Hope for their Bible studies, and we've done the Catholic stuff, and, we've done, and it, it's just this big, huge mishmash right now. So, if I were to ask you, what is the image of God? You tell me, what is the image of God? Right now. What are you thinking? With everything I've just thrown at you, what is the image of God? I think it's whatever I need him to be at the moment I need him to be in. Okay. Whether it's my father, whether it's my mother, whether it's a husband, a lover, a healer, a provider, whatever it is. I don't disagree with you, but you're saying how does God present himself to you? I'm asking in you, what is the image of God? God is love. So it's the part of us that is going to be more like 
Okay. Okay. The part of us that is going to be more like him. Okay. Anybody else? Any thoughts? I'm not saying you're wrong, because believe me, there's thousands of opinions. Part of it, for me, is being a vessel which is not the image of God, but the Holy Spirit, learning that that which is God is in me. So what I'm hearing you say, and I'm not, I'm not judging or making a bad comment, but what I'm hearing you say is you subscribe more to a substance theory than a relational theory. Yeah, I don't know. It's like okay. I said, it is very How many of you say, if you have the Holy Spirit, that God is physically present with you and in you? Well, spiritually, physically. <laughs> present with you. I'll say present. The jars of clay. Is that, is that substance in your mind, or is that relational in your mind? In other words, you could remove God... And what would happen? You still have the image. You still have the image? Okay. Renee, you had your hand up and then Charlotte. Okay, Charlene, then Maggie. It's relational. Okay. Maggie? Okay. Let me move on. 
The one thing that we're not even going to touch right now is if you go through the, the scriptures in the New Testament, they tell you that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He is the image. He is the perfect human in God's likeness. But again, we don't have time this morning. The whole, the th- the, one of the things that I, w- I wanted to leave us with was, you know, we talked about it now, we thought about it, it's going to be something you'll be thinking about hopefully for a few days, but why does it matter to me today in my world? And I wanted to leave us with the, the so what. If you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived, but now... You must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its old practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We were created by God for intimate fellowship we as human beings found that in all of creation there was nothing that met our need for relationship in the physical so God recognizing that created a partner for us to be in a social communal relationship and the three then the male, the female, and the father would commune together intimately on a daily basis. Sometimes it was the humans alone. Sometimes, not that we're ever not present with God, because God is always present, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes they were aware of God being present with them. Sometimes they were aware that he wasn't physically present with them. But the whole situation was that there was this incredible communion of relationship that took place 
until one event happened, the fall. And then something broke in the humans. Their ability either to perceive God correctly, or maybe they lost their connection with God, or maybe that pill that was the God substance in them was cast off. I can't answer that. I've given you my ideas and the little bit of understanding that I have. But if I have to raise my flag on one side or the other, I agree with Carolyn, it's a relational thing. But the bottom line for me is that God created us for a relationship with each other and with Him. And when it got broken in the fall, even to this day, we can't work right with each other. Unless we are Christ-like. Unless we have the mind of Christ. Unless we intentionally work to be like Jesus. Taking on His image. I believe that the Holy Spirit is present with me. Again, I see it as a relational thing. I believe the Holy Spirit is leading me into all truth, relationally. And as Carolyn said, I have the opportunity, if I choose, to pull my hand out of his hand. Or I can keep my hand in his hand as we walk together and he leads me in a path of righteousness. And I believe that the only way that we Christians will ever be able to adequately communicate the love of God to the world is to be in this right relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. Just as I said to the kids this morning, it's not us being a mirror reflecting God's love back to God. This idea of relationship with God isn't so God can feel good about Himself and get His love back at Him. It is so that God can reflect His love to the people that He can't communicate with because their receivers are broken. But they can see Jesus in us and they can be drawn to Him that way. Yes, ma'am. The Holy Spirit is the comfort. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. It is time for us to take communion. Before you do, I want you to spend a few moments. I want you to, to look at who you are and where you are in your walk with Christ. Is your hand in the hand of the man who's still the water? Is your hand in the hand of the man who comes to see? Or are you in some form of rebellion against that right now, pulling your hand out, willfully, intentionally not being in right relationship with him? Because if you are, don't take this communion. Let's pray.